0: Well, hello there, my fellow Yankee fans, and welcome to episode 150 of the Yapping Yankees podcast, where we yap about the Yanks and nothing but those Yanks. As always, I am your host, Mike Scudero, here on the 14th day of August in the year 2022. Alert the media, stop the presses, because not only is in episode 150 of Yapping Yankees, but the Yankees themselves, as of last night, have won a baseball game and mainly behind the bat of IKF? What? Holy crap. (laughs) Yes, holy crap on all fronts, Frank Barone. Where my fellow Everybody Loves Raymond fans. (laughs) It's been a while since I incorporated any sound effects other than the time machine that I usually use before recap. Oh my gosh. (laughs) How are you, my friends? Oh, me? Well, I'm just banging out an episode before tonight's series finale in Boston. It's about five o'clock right now at the time I'm recording, so the game will be starting in like two hours, two hours five, two hours ten, give or take. I wanted to be recording earlier, but uh, I got to it late today. What are you going to do? So, I won't be reacting to it live on here, the game being, like I did with last week's game when the Yankees were in St. Louis with that chaos, but (laughs) I mean, hey, we've got enough to talk about with this past week to last us plenty. (laughs) Got an action-packed episode ahead, even though there's not going to be a social media segment today, by the way, since this weekend's been, uh, just being honest, so freaking busy for me, so I kind of just forgot to post one, (laughs) but don't worry, I'll have one for you next weekend, and today's episode's still going to be a great time as usual, but before we even get into any of it, can you believe that it's episode 150? Because I can't. (laughs) About three years and three months ago, give or take, right after I graduated college in May of 2019, I started this bad boy up called Yapping Yankees. And three years and a quarter, and a hundred and fifty episodes later, here we are, amidst covering my one, two, three, fourth Yankee season on this show on episode one fifty, covered from May on in 2019. So the month of May and the rest of the season, all of 2020, all of 2021, and I will have done 2022, of course, once this year's wrapped up, and. Everything in between, even the off-seasons, all the crazy crap that's happened, and what an adventure it has been in all that time. And to be able to share it all with you just makes it even better. So thank you guys so much for sticking with me, especially you day ones out there. But even if you hopped on board in the middle somewhere, or maybe episode 150 today, or this week, is the first episode you're hearing, regardless I love you so, so much, and I don't care when you hopped on board. Just giving me a minute of your time means more than you know. Even something as little as that. Just a minute of your time means more than you will ever know to me. 150 episodes. Yes, round of applause. Yes. Love it. I am happier than you could ever even imagine. It really is unbelievable to me, but so much to talk about today. Oh my God. I got my list of bullet points right here just so I don't forget anything or do my best to not forget anything because sometimes I still do, but I usually don't because that's why the episodes have been an hour and a half lately because I usually get to everything and can't shut up, but we've got so much to talk about today. Oh my God. Between the Yankees just stinking up the joint, but finally winning a game yesterday. And like I said to start, behind IKF of all people? We're going to get to all that for sure. And we got plenty of time to recap today since we won't be having a social media segment to end the show. So we've got plenty to talk about. What I did want to start with, though, was something that. I know a lot of people were asking me, they're like, why haven't you talked about this yet, man? You're a humongous Derek Jeter guy, and this has been going on for weeks now. Why haven't you even mentioned it? Well, I got, a, I guess, a half-decent reason. (laughs) I wanted to wait until it was over. I didn't want to mention anything until all the episodes of it came out, and I'm pretty sure you know what I'm talking about by now. But I didn't want to mention anything until we saw it through to its completion. And that is the Derek Jeter documentary called The Captain. Now, I happen to follow the guy on Twitter, and I've even interacted with him a couple of times by the name of Randy Wilkins, I believe his name is, on Twitter, at Pamson. He is the main one behind the documentary, of course, I imagine, and he has confirmed that he had a lot of help on it, of course, nobody ever does these big productions on their own because it's not possible, it's too big a production, but between Randy and and if Randy and any of them are listening to this show, you're about to get an awful lot of praise right now, and deservedly so. But Randy and everybody else who worked on this documentary, now that all seven episodes are out and the documentary is done, all of it's been released, I can now for sure say that I have never seen in my life, and I've seen a lot of documentaries sports-wise, I have never seen a better documentary to properly portray the legend of a player of the stature of Derek Jeter like this documentary did I it was so wonderfully done in every facet the interviews, the filming the the storytelling the calling back of all the memories throughout his career and what he's going through now and just everything everything, the editing even the music Anything you could think of was so well done. Just a marvelous job, honestly. I I barely ever use that word, if that's enough inclination to you to describe how good this documentary was. Episodes 1 through 7, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I was kind of nervous before it came out, because obviously, a ton of you know, That Jeter is not only my favorite Yankee ever, but he's my favorite athlete ever. And for a lot of years now, the guy has just been a big idol of mine. And any sort of big piece of material that comes out regarding anybody who I care about so deeply, like I care about Jeter, I just get nervous that it's not going to be well done or not up to the standards of myself or the Yankee community at large because we tend to be a hard crowd to please, (laughs) and I'm very self-aware with that. I am level-headed too, of course, and, and rational, but the stereotype is that we are hard to please, and stereotypes exist for a reason, usually. At least most of them do. So, I was a little nervous about it, but my God, after watching episode seven, this, it was a great documentary. I don't mean to, like, pile on or pour it on too thick or anything, but what an incredible job by everybody involved. It really, I thoroughly enjoyed it. If you haven't gotten around to watching The Captain yet, the documentary is called The Captain, and it's all about Derek Jeter and his life, his career, both then and now. It really is just remarkable. You ought to give it a watch if you haven't already, especially if you're a big Derek Jeter fan. I mean, what are you doing if you haven't watched it yet? But go ahead and watch it as soon as you can, because it gets my endorsement for sure. And if anybody involved in the production of it, the filming of it, no matter... Even if you did the slightest amount of work on it, if you happen to be listening to the show, kudos to you. Because you did a great job. I don't care if you just swept the floor while it was being filmed. You did a great job. I, I, I'm just trying to drive the point of how good it was. Really just a terrific, terrific job by everybody. Really enjoyed it. So, the captain documentary, everybody who was looking for my review on it officially, it is, and pun intended, a home run, because it was out of this world. Probably one of the better, if not the best documentary I have seen regarding a legend like Derek Jeter in my life. Fantastic job. So, just wanted to hit on that really quick. It talks about his personal life all throughout his career and even now. Talks about his career and what's happened with the Yankees throughout his time as a Yankee, what happened throughout his entire 20-year career, his relationships with certain people, even guys like A-Rod and everything that happened between them, and even what he's doing now. Talks about his family, his upbringing, him being drafted, him being elected to the Hall of Fame. It just, it, The list goes on and on and on. It just covers so much. You have to watch it yourself to really just grasp how much is really covered in it, it really is incredible so go ahead and watch it gets a 10 out of 10 from me to be honest and I'm a tough grader, 10 out of 10 alright so, now other than that, to get to the Yankees themselves we've been talking for a few weeks now about the skid that the Yankees have been on for some time now the better part of the last month or month and a half And unfortunately, I wish that I could say otherwise, but other than yesterday, which was a teeth-pulling victory to begin with, and the first game of the Seattle series this past week, well, that skid continued, and not in a pretty way. Was it in a way where the Yankees were getting absolutely massacred? No, not necessarily, because like so many of the losses have been this year, a lot of these games were decided and continue to be decided by a very small amount of runs. One run, two runs, maybe three runs. But the losses, regardless of the fact because of how close they are, were they heartbreaking? Not only were they heartbreaking, they were done in such poor fashion. You know, if you just get bested by your opponent, that's part of life, it happens. But the mistakes made and how it just seemed it was inevitable almost. It it was like they couldn't escape their mistakes, their bad habits. One day it turned the game on, and we've spoken about also how the vast majority of the losses, if you had to say so, throughout this last month and month and a half, was primarily on the pitching, and that is true. But also, of late, it's really been a mix of anything. When you turn the game on lately... It was almost like, what facet of the team is going to fail today? Is it going to be the starting pitching? Is it going to be the bullpen? Is it going to be the offense? Are they going to make boneheaded mistakes on the bases? Are they going to make poor defensive mistakes? It was like, what facet is going to fail today? It was like, inescapable for them to go a game without making a mistake. They were going to make a mistake. That's the feeling you've had lately, if you're a Yankee fan. They get a lead, Uh, so what? The bullpen will blow it later. Or the starting pitcher in there right now, whoever it is, will collapse eventually. Or the starting pitcher gives up a couple of runs. Oh, well, the offense will probably go to sleep now. It's just which, what facet of the team is going to fail? Oh, you got runners on the corners, nobody out. Oh, they'll find a way to not do it. That's just been your mindset lately. Unless you're an eternal optimist, then God bless you. I, I try to be as optimistic as possible, but, you know, eventually it starts even wearing down on me, so... But that's that's really that's what you've been feeling as a Yankee fan of late and that continued this past week. So, not a pleasant week, like I've been saying, nothing clicks together lately with pitching, whether it be starting or the bullpen, especially the bullpen, not being able to hold a lead if a gun was to their head. Or the hitting, or like I mentioned before, which we will talk about at great length as the episode continues on, the base running. <laughs> base running. Oh my gosh. The the base running of the 2021 Yankees, or just think of any other team out there that couldn't run to save their lives properly on the bases, and that is returned. It's returned. Too many high-risk moves not working out, or just having people running who should not be running because they can't run. They just can't. Putting on bad hit and runs. Or just making boneheaded choices on the bases. Like doing a double steal that's not needed in extra innings like they did in Seattle. Or freezing on line drives. Just what have you. Just anything you could think of. Just getting caught in a boneheaded rundown. Just making dumb, dumb decisions. And then finding new ways to outdo yourself constantly. Constantly. Without learning from your mistakes day in and day out, sometimes in consecutive innings like the extra innings game in Seattle, which I have to say was the biggest debacle base running wise that I have ever seen in my 15 years watching baseball. Talk about not learning from your mistakes and finding a way to outdo yourself every inning different, yet worse mistakes, inning after inning To the point you just don't deserve to win the game. You just don't deserve it. I mean, you want them to win, of course, so your team, duh. But you're just like, they they don't deserve to win this game. The boneheaded commissioner gives you an extra runner. And you're just saying, nah, it's okay. You just keep getting thrown out on the bases. Really frustrating brand of baseball lately. And last night's win, don't get me wrong, I'm very happy about it. There was just no excuses for losing that game yesterday. No excuses at all. But it didn't really help my confidence in saying, oh, you know, the Yankees showed encouraging signs of, of starting out of the hot streak or just getting back on track. I mean, they could now, going into tonight's game. Because a win like last night could easily get your confidence back and you just go on another tear after that. I hope so, because the brand of baseball they've been playing as of the last month or month and a half, like we've been talking about for weeks now, has been pretty freaking exhausting to watch. I mean, you want to talk about what they've done lately. After last night's win, they've lost 8 of their last 10. And also after yesterday's win, they're 11-18 and in their past 29 games. So like I said, about a month or so, yeah. Sounds about right. 11 and 18. And since the All Star break, after yesterday's win, they're 8 and 14. So, like we've been talking about for weeks now amidst their skid over the last month and month and a half, they're playing sub 500 ball, guys. The numbers are there. This is not a matter of me overreacting. And I have overreacted live watching games because you guys have gotten an inkling as to what it's like to watch a game with me or listen to me as I'm watching a game. I get fired up. I'm a passionate fan, and I'm not ashamed to let people know about that. I have my opinions be as rational and level-headed as possible, especially after I've had the time to settle down, but as a game's going on, I get fired up. I'm a diehard, passionate fan. That's how I roll. So, but it has not been pretty baseball lately. And we're gonna go in on it as we recap this past week because again, we got more time today to do so without a social media segment. Now, amongst all the horrible gameplay of late with the Yankees, there are there's a lot of panicking going on out there. And it's to be expected, because again, think of the fan base you're talking about. <laughs> now, the main thing that I'm not happy about, because amidst this these losing ways of the last month or so for the Yankees. They've lost quite a bit. They lost the best record in baseball. The Dodgers are now way past them. They're behind the Mets even by a couple of games. And they're behind the Astros a couple of games. Now, what's the one that I care about the most amidst all of that? Of course, the Astros. I couldn't care less what the Mets and the Dodgers do in the other league. The only time that I will care about them is if the Yankees meet them in the World Series. Other than that, they could do whatever the hell they want over there in the NL. I could not care less. The main thing that bothers me, and not that they can't get this back, of course, there's still plenty of baseball to play in 2022. The main thing that bothers me is that the Astros have overtaken the Yankees record for the best record in the American League, which of course means the Yankees have, at least for now, lost home field advantage throughout the playoffs, at least prior to the World Series. And that bothers me because it's almost like a where-have-I-seen-this-movie-before scenario. And I've seen it a couple of times. (laughs) Having to run into Houston in the CS, and having the last game or two of the series being decided in Houston as opposed to Yankee Stadium. And if you want to get on me and say, oh, it doesn't matter if the Yankees are meant to win, they'll win. Well, look at the Yankees for most years. Road record compared to their home record. And tell me that home field advantage does not matter for the Yankees because if you still tell me that it doesn't matter after looking at the records, then you're just lying to yourself. You're telling me that you wouldn't want game six or seven to decide the series at Yankee Stadium as opposed to Houston? It matters in my opinion. It's not the end-all, be-all, of course. The Yankees have to play baseball. Duh. I don't need that explained to me like I'm five. I understand that concept. But... If you ask me which I'd rather choose, have it be decided in Houston or Yankee Stadium. Yankee Stadium? Duh! Come on. And that's happened both the times the Astros have eliminated the Yankees. It's been decided in Houston in Game 6 or 7. I'd rather that be decided at Yankee Stadium, to be really honest with you. And I believe that any series between the two would make it to a 6 or 7 again. Yeah, the Astros have handled, handled the Yankees very well this year. There's no denying that. But I still feel like the two teams would manage to go for Game 6 or 7 because they're both great teams. And yes, I still do think the Yankees are a solid team despite their recent struggles. I don't think they were as great as they were for the first three months. I think they played out of their minds. But I also don't think they're anywhere near as bad as they are now, especially with certain players that they're missing. I think they're somewhere in the middle. And I think that team in the middle of those two things is still a damn good baseball team. Especially when guys like Stanton, Sevy, and hopefully when Bader's ready to go, come back. Especially someone like Stanton. I mean, that's enough missing production to destroy any team. Or at least bring them down a great deal and have them not score as many runs. but, There's a lot of panicking going around amidst the bad gameplay. That was my original point. And basically where my dissatisfaction is only pretty much right now is the fact that they've lost home field advantage to Houston. And yes, they could still get it back. I already said that. They could still get it back. But I just really want the Yankees to just have the best record in the American League already and just go into the playoffs having home field advantage throughout leading up to the World Series. That would be really ideal for me as far as comfort level. It really, really would be. I'd like to start the series at the stadium, and hopefully, if you could push it to six or seven, end the series at Yankee Stadium. Hopefully, preferably, with a Yankee victory. Some people don't care. They just solely go off the fact, oh, the Yankees have to play baseball. And yeah, they do. You're right. But again, if I had to choose where I want to played, Yankee Stadium. Are you kidding me? It's not even a question. And as far as the division's concerned, I have even some people being concerned over the division. And yeah, the Yankees have been losing a scary amount of games lately in scary fashion. No argument here. But I still think that the division is not in any danger. They still have a double-digit lead. And fortunately, on a lot of the days where the Yankees have had really heartbreaking losses, fortunately... Those behind them, way behind them, I should say, in the AL East, have also been losing quite a bit. And how about the run that the Orioles continue to go on? They just avoided being perfect-gained today by Rasmussen on the Rays. (laughs) What a run they continue to have. They handled the Blue Jays well. Them and the Rays just had a good series. And they're all still double digits plus behind. Despite the Yankees losing a lot. So, the division is not a concern for me. I do think they will win the division, which is nice. Haven't won the division since 19. I would rather win the division than make it via wildcard. And yeah, the Yankees will still have that first-round bye, even if they don't finish with the best record. The top two teams get that bye, so that'll be Houston and the Yankees. But I just want the Yankees to have home field, guys. I really do. I want a longer series that happens to make it to the end to be decided at Yankee Stadium. I just want it to be that way. I feel safer that way. Call it ridiculous or over-paranoid or whatever. But just look at how they do on the road as opposed to home and you will have your question answered. I think any fan of any team would agree with my assessment. It's not a ridiculous assessment. But amidst all the panic going on, that's really the main thing that bothers me. The fact that they no longer have the best record in the American League even. Having the best record in baseball is just an extra plus. And they had it for months and months and months. And that was awesome. But at this point in time, now where they're at, at this point in time, heading into tonight's game here on Sunday, August 14th, the main thing for me is that I would like for them to get home field advantage back in the American League and take back the top seed for the AL. That's my main concern. And the Astros just keep on winning. Had themselves a good weekend against the A's. I didn't even see how today's game ended. Let me take a peek at that quick. Yeah, they won 6-3. to three. So, if the Yankees don't want to lose another game with them, then they better win this series finale in Boston tonight. They better. And so, yeah, like today, again, the AL East just not doing their thing, the rest of it, which is why I'm not worried about the division. The Rays won finally over the Orioles, yeah, but they're only about a game and a half better than them. And the Blue Jays lost again to the Guardians today. So the division's just not in any danger. Before the game's even played tonight with the Yankees and Sox, you still have the Yankees 10 and a half up on the Jays, 11 and a half on the Rays, and 13 on the O's. And then, you know, the Red Sox are way back. They're 16 and a half, but. The division's not in any danger. I would really just like for them to get home field back for the American League. I really, really would. But the Yankees have got to get back on track. They've got to stop the boneheaded base running. That's that's bad. The base running crap has got to stop. If you make too many high-risk moves, of course, a great deal of them are not going to work out. The high-risk moves that do work out are lovely. (laughs) But... Not all of them are going to work, and when you do them too frequently, amidst a time period where you're just in the middle of making so many stupid decisions on the bases, you're just going to make yourself look like an idiot, collectively, as a group, and that's what's happened lately. The bad base running habits of old, rearing its ugly head again, the hitting and the pitching have got to click. One big silver lining this past week, as of maybe the last few days, as of the Seattle series, I'll say, is that the starting pitching has been significantly better. That's a step in the right direction that I very much like to see. The series, of course, starting last week on Monday, the day after we spoke last, the series in Seattle, not a pleasant series after the first game, of course. But even in that first game of the series, Tyone started that game, seven innings, three runs allowed, only had really one really bad inning in that fourth inning when he got into a lot of trouble with a boatload of walks and just being his own worst enemy. But other than that, just giving up two solo shots, just two mistakes, had a very nice start. The 13-inning heartbreaker, yes, it was a heartbreaker, but if you look at what the starting pitching did... You had Garrett Cole and Luis Castillo going to war. Two warriors. Garrett Cole, seven shutout innings, only four hits, didn't walk anybody. Eight strikeouts. Luis Castillo, eight innings, three hits, two walks, seven strikeouts. No runs allowed by either. No runs even scored by either team until the 13th. And yeah, did the Yankees have their opportunities to score runs? Hell yeah, they did. Especially in extras. Coughed it up on stupid base running. But the starting pitching, again, fantastic. How about the last game in Seattle on Wednesday? You had Nestor Cortez on the mound. Six innings. Took a no-hitter until the end of his start. Had to be taken out in the seventh inning. Three runs ultimately were put on his final line. Only three hits, though. One walk and struck out ten. That's a quality start, so another good start. Thursday they had off, of course. Friday, the first game in Boston. The Yankees had Hermann on the mound. Yeah, we all know how we feel when we see Herman's name on the pitching matchup. <laughs> We're not happy. Does he have a massive problem completing an inning, getting the third out? Yeah, he does. But even in the Boston start on Friday, six innings, five hits only, one run, two walks, four strikeouts, quality start, only one run in six innings. The Yankees lost that game because Clay Holmes fell apart in the ninth. They blew another scoring opportunity in the 10th inning, as well as throughout the rest of the game prior to that, and they couldn't hold him down in the 10th inning. That's why they lost that game, not because of starting pitching. How about yesterday? Frankie Montas on the mound. Didn't look necessarily killer, but certainly better than his prior start, and had a decent start. Five innings, five hits, two runs, four strikeouts, mainly just having a rough fourth inning, but other than that, he did a fine job uses Splitter a lot more in this start than his prior start, and it showed. So, tonight, in tonight's game in Boston, you got Jameson Tyone going again. Let's see if he can continue on a good trend since his last start in Seattle six days ago. He'll be facing Michael Walker tonight. So, the starting pitching is the silver lining of late, especially as of this past week or so. It's been much better. Last Sunday was really the bad, that the last really bad day was just a clunker for a starting pitcher on the Yankees. This last cycle, give or take through on the rotation, has been really good. Let's keep on that pace. Let's have the bullpen hold a freaking lead and have the Yankees take advantage of scoring opportunities. And before you know it, the Yankees will be back on another hot streak. It's really up to them. Because in a lot of these games and a lot of instances and crucial moments that have led to them losing, it's been their own fault. They've been their own worst enemy, the Yankees, in a lot of ways, whether it be the pitching, the hitting, the base running, the defense, mainly the base running and hitting, and because of what the starting pitching at least has been good lately, but regardless of the facet that happens to fail on any given day, the Yankees have been their own worst enemy. That much is true. So that's basically all there is to say about the Yankees' continued bad gameplay. Again, they did win yesterday, I'm aware of that, but has not been pleasant baseball to watch. As far as what there is to talk about with news as of this past week, there was a very unfortunate injury that happened this past week as the injury bug just continues to bite the Yankees in the ass and not at a time that you want it to bite. I mean, there's really no good time for the injury bug to bite. I guess because of the position the Yankees are in in their division that things could be worse, but... You never like to see the injury bug. Just take out your best players one by one by one by one. And unfortunately, that continued to happen this past week with probably one of the worst players on the roster the Yankees could lose. And that is Matt Carpenter, because in Seattle this past week, he fouled a ball off his back foot when he's up at bat, so his left foot, and it fractured his foot. So right when it happened of course because of the time of the of the year that it is and because of the nature of the injury I assumed that he was probably done for the season. Now they did follow up tests on it afterwards and Matt Carpenter seemed pretty optimistic even as recently as the post game right after the injury happened. I believe it happened on Monday, yes, cuz it was the day the Yankees won. I I definitely remember that because especially cuz the Yankees don't do much winning these days. <laughs> regardless he seemed pretty optimistic and he said that he very well could be back this season he said that as early on as before they even did further tests on him and they did further tests on him and the mindset basically remained the same they say the timeline is typical for a fracture in the foot six to eight weeks but it also depends on the specific condition of his fractured foot the Yankees don't have the best reputation to say the least when it comes to how they deliver information about injuries, and that continues to stay the truth with how they've handled the Stanton injury, for instance, which I'll get to in a second, because there's an update on him as well as of today. But they're saying that he could still come back this season, Matt Carpenter. By this season, because of the timeline of it, it would literally have to be like the last week or two of September, like at the very end. He would have to take time to get back into the swing of things, If possible, maybe take some rehab assignments and just try to find his way back before the end of the season and try to be a factor in the last week or two heading into the playoffs. So that's basically what their best case scenario is right now. But regardless of the best case scenario, worst case scenario, we're not going to see Matt Carpenter for a long time. So a devastating, devastating injury for the Yankees, losing Matt Carpenter for a freak injury. Not anything happening just internally with the body, running down to first and pulling a hammy or hurting yourself on defense or hurting yourself on, the, on a swing of a bat. Freak injury. Foul ball off the foot. So, a devastating injury for someone who has been such, again, such a fantastic story in Matt Carpenter. Signed earlier this year at the Yankees after being dropped by the Cardinals, being dropped by the Rangers. And this is a guy whose first quote with the Yankees was saying that he'd carry the bags if he had to to be there, with the Yankees, carrying the bags to the plane and off the plane. (laughs) Well, he came to the Yankees, and up until his injury, then proceeded to hit to a 216 WRC+, plus over 154 plate appearances only, which, with that combined with the home runs, the massive amount of RBIs, terrific batting average on base percentage, slugging especially OPS, OPS plus, he forced the Yankees' hand and forced himself into the starting lineup. And over that span of plate appearances, very short span of plate appearances, in the scope of an entire season, he hit to a 305 average, hit 15 home runs, 37 RBIs, 1,139 OPS. And that's just to name a few stats, guys. We all know the amazing story that's been Matt Carpenter since he started with the Yankees and coming here in this redemption tour for his career. Because the last few years, he just seemed to have lost it. He really did. Just didn't have the swing anymore. Just really wasn't capable of doing much of anything. It seemed like his best days were behind him. Then the Yankees sign him, and he goes on this remarkable tear. Forces himself to be an everyday starter. And then this happens. So absolutely horrible, obviously for himself and for the Yankees' sake. I hope he makes as speedy a recovery as possible, but an insanely tough loss injury-wise for the Yankees. Just brutal. A brutal break to lose him, of all people. Horrible. Horrible. Heartbroken when this happened. And it really took the wind out of the sails of the victory on Monday night. When that devastating of an injury happens to your team, the same thing happened when Michael King got hurt. You even saw the mentality of the players. They don't really even feel like they won the game because you feel the loss of that player, a vital player to the team's success, no less. So it's just a really crappy, crappy break. So quickest of recoveries for him, hopefully. It's going to be a while before we see Matt Carpenter again. Only other couple of updates I'll start with today, since it's most recently. This actually just came out, like, very shortly, very recently. It was revealed after the starting lineups were put out, DJ's not in tonight's starting lineup, which I automatically hate. We all thought it was just a typical day off, but it turns out he has a toe issue. So there's really no further information on it other than that. I think he's getting it examined more, but that's really it. DJ has a toe issue. So I assume more information is going to come out about that possibly tonight, tomorrow, in the days to come over the course of this next week. But DJ, another fantastic player, having a remarkable season after last year's average season. And it just it just continues. One piece of good news we have, despite us having different information prior, I mean, I even said it on last week's episode, information had it that... We could have possibly even seen Stanton back with the Yankees this weekend against Boston. But he's still not back yet. He's still just doing baseball activities, a full day of such, full day's worth. But apparently now it's that he could start up a rehab assignment this week, which that's all good. I mean, it seems like his return is not too far away. And especially given all the losses the Yankees have had lately, both on the field and injury-wise, they could definitely use Stanton back. One of the key things to the Yankees' success going forward that I've said, they need Stanton back. Too big a guy to have out for the extended amount of time that he's been out. And I love my boy, so I need him back out there. But, I mean, we kind of had different information recently. (laughs) And again, a continued occurrence for the Yankees, just the lack of true information when it comes to injuries it's enough to drive you nuts so I think it's going to be at least another week until we see Giancarlo back we'll see how he does in his rehab assignments this week he's had full days of baseball activities the last couple of days according to reports so I guess it's positive despite the, the information we had before kind of being wrong again I guess but I guess the fact that he's not too far off from coming back I guess that's positive positive especially amidst the recent Matt Carpenter injury within the last six days, and now this new thing, this new issue popping up for DJ just as of today. Hadn't heard of this issue at all before today. I guess it must have just been an issue as recently as yesterday, and now they just they need to examine it more, and they're giving him the day off because of it. That's the deal with that, a toe issue for DJ. <sighs> Definitely doesn't make you feel too confident when it comes to tonight's chances to win, because that's another big name out of the lineup in DJ. It's another big name. At least Ben Intendi's leading off. He should be towards the top of the lineup, so you're going to miss DJ, though. Going to miss him. So that's really all the news from this past week. All that there is to talk about with the Yankees as far as their gameplay of late, guys. It has sucked, as we know. I know they won again yesterday. I get it. And because of how good a win like yesterday is, I am, I am definitely of the belief that if they are to win another good game tonight, that it could definitely turn their fortune around, and then over time, you get player after player back from injury, hopefully. Severino is still, of course, on the 60-day IL as well, speaking of other injuries that I mentioned earlier. He'll be back in mid-September, so one after the other, you get one back, continue to get back on track. We're also, of course, still waiting on Harrison Bader to come back sometime in September and just go from there. But that's really it, based on what's been going on with the Yankees continuing on this from this past week, and as far as injury news goes with the team itself. Unfortunately, mostly continued negative news, as has been the story with Yankees news for a few weeks now. That's just been the way things have been going for this team, part of the ebbs and flows of a season. I get it. It's been rough, though. There's no denying that. It's been rough. But why don't we waste no further time as we are just about 40 minutes in already. Just, God, time flies. And let's recap this past week's action and all of the BS that took place for the vast majority of this past week. Yapping Yankees time machine. Let's do it. All right, so throughout this weekly recap edition, of course, we're going to be going through a lot of tough things that I mentioned in the introduction already, a lot of, a lot of crap, <laughs> there's really no other way to put it, a lot of crap from this past week that happened amidst a lot of continued losing for the Yankees, who again are 2-8 and eight in their last 10 games. But we first start off by saying last Sunday, of course, I ended last Sunday's episode when I was reacting live while recording to the game against St. Louis. I ended the recording before that game ended, and the Yankees, of course, as we know, did not complete the comeback of that game, just would go on to allow more runs. I believe it was in the bottom of the eighth, so they went on to lose that game, and they continued their West Coast swing by heading to Seattle on Monday. Fortunately, the week would start off in good fashion with this game. Right away in the top of the first, and Josh Donaldson, did he finally have himself a night on this night? It's about freaking time, man. Josh Donaldson started the game off with a two-run single, giving Tyone an immediate two-run cushion, and putting the Yankees up two to nothing. But then you started to say in the bottom of the first right away, that oh, the was going to give it right back, because then Tyone gave up a solo shot to Mitch Haniger to make it two to one, but the Yankees would stay resilient offensively. And in the top of the third, Josh Donaldson would hit a solo shot in his next at bat to make it 3-1. to one. And then Andrew Benintendi, who started to find his swing in this series, my boy Benny Bronx. It's good to see him finally come around. He hit an RBI double to make it 4-1 to one right after Donaldson hit his solo shot. In the bottom of the fourth, this was the inning where Tyone got into his great deal of trouble. He ended up walking in a run to make it 4-2. to two. Those freaking walks. What did we spend so much time talking about last week's episode? <laughs> they just don't stop. But then the top of the fifth, the Yankee offense got right back at it. Andrew Benintendi, another double, this time a two-run double. And then Isaiah Kiner falefa with a sack fly to make it 7-2. to two. He really had been doing nothing, just like most of everybody else, but especially with what he's been doing or lack thereof for most of the season, the frustration continued to build up with him, but he had a sack fly here. Bottom of the 7th, solo shot for Cal Raleigh, made it 7-3. to Top of the ninth, Aaron Judge, a solo shot of his own, his 44th home run of the year, as he continues to just unbelievably streak towards Roger Maris's single-season home run record of 61. That made it 8-3. Trevino, RBI single, 9-3. And the bottom of the ninth. The Yankees sent Clay Holmes out there to just try to get some additional work. He ended up allowing another run because this man is just completely broken. We'll get to how he continues to be broken even up to now in just a bit. But that made it 9-4. But the Yankees had such a big lead, they ended up winning by that score 9-4. to So a good start to the week. But then eerily familiar to the first series against the Mariners at Yankee Stadium, the Yankees won the first game of that series as well. The Yankees were gone to lose the next two. And lose the series again. And again, in eerily familiar fashion to the first series at Yankee Stadium. Really, really weird. But was Tuesday's game a heartbreaker or what? It was really thrilling to see this pitching matchup go, go through the first seven innings, though, because Garrett Cole against Luis Castillo, first matchup against those two at the stadium was not as advertised because Garrett Cole imploded in the first inning. This one was as advertised though. Garrett went seven innings, said it before, I gave their final lines earlier, seven innings, four hits, no runs, no walks, eight strikeouts, and Castillo went eight innings, three hits, no runs, two walks, and seven strikeouts, so shutouts for them both. They pitched like warriors, these two. It was crazy. Great outings by both of them. Both offenses, just complete corpses. And it sent them to extra innings. Nobody was scoring. Nobody. So, extra innings was where all the base running debacles that I hinted at in the intro took place. Just completely unforgivable mistakes. Especially even more unforgivable when you consider the fact that they kept on outdoing themselves inning after inning after inning. One inning after the other in extras. Just giving the game to the Mariners. Just spoiling that BS ghost runner that Manfred gifted them. Horrible. Top of the 10th. First and second, nobody out. Nonsensical double steal put on. Benintendi caught it third. He was the ghost runner to start the inning. Thrown out. Gleyber Torres, who just had <laughs> the at-bats that Gleyber Torres had in this game. Him and Duhar, Kiner Falefa. J- just uh, nightmarish. <laughs> It was a nightmare. So that Gleyber Torres grounded out and then Duhar struck out. The approaches by these guys were j- they were just horrible. Just horrible. Horrible. And then Duhar had just been called up because of Carpenter getting hurt the night before. But that was the roster move they made. Saw it coming. But what a horrendous job. Horrendous job. Horrendous approaches at the plate. And because of these continued base running mistakes in Two extra innings, the Yankees only got four batters to the plate, which also didn't allow Aaron Judge to really get in that bat because when he finally did, they just walked him because he was the first batter to start an inning. They just put him on first base. No brainer, obviously. It was just no way to try to win a game. And at the top of the 11th, Aaron Hicks hit a line drive to second base and Duhar was the ghost runner on second. and He froze on the line drive and he just got doubled up at second. Another blown opportunity. And mind you, Garrett Cole was not the only one to do great pitching wise in this game. Everybody else in the bullpen after. In the eighth, the ninth, tenth, eleventh, twelfth, all did terrific. Chapman, again, another scoreless appearance. I think that's eight or nine now, where we stand now this weekend. But this was another one of the eight or nine scoreless eighth. Clay Holmes, this was actually the best inning he's had in recent memory, pitched a scoreless ninth, just about the only good inning in recent memory for him. Then Efros pitched the 10th, he's been real good, except for that rough inning he had in the final game in St. Louis, just after I stopped taping last Sunday. But other than that, Efros has been terrific. Even Wandy Peralta pitched a fantastic 11th came back out to start the 12th, got in some trouble. Trevino unbelievably escaped the jam, three and two, two outs with the bases loaded, and struck out Suarez. And then Luizaga unfortunately gave it up in the bottom of the 13th, but I don't even really even care about that. Because they shouldn't have been in the bottom of the 13th if the offense have come through. And of course, eventually a pitcher's going to give it up. Something's got to give. And Luizaga happened to be the one. So I'm not mad at him, I'm ticked at the offense. The pitching was spotless, but that was also part of what I was saying in the introduction when a lot of the times, especially of late, us Yankee fans have been telling ourselves, well what's going to mess up today? It's going to be the pitching, the hitting. This was the hitting. Cuz this night the pitching happened to work, but the hitting was non-existent. So another example of that. So they blew it in the top of the uh, in the top of the 11th, top of the 12th. This was unbelievable what Kiner falefa did. Hits a ground ball back to the pitcher. Trevino's the ghost runner on second. And Trevino got caught in a rundown. It's whatever. He got, he got caught a bit. I, I understand that more than the mistake that Kiner falefa did. But Trevino gets thrown out. And then after that, with a play right in front of his eyes, seeing the rundown going on, Kiner falefa thought it was a good idea to try to just keep running. Just don't stop. Just go right to second base and be a complete dead duck at second base. Again, it was just the Yankees taking themselves out of every inning, them being their own worst enemy. He saw the Trevino play playing out right in front of him. Said, Stay first! At least you still have yourself having a base runner. And then after you, you got guys like DJ and Judge coming up, but you're taking the bat out of their hands too! Just a remarkably stupid decision to pile on all the other ones. And the top of the 13th, just another blown opportunity. First and second, nobody out. Benintendi strikes out. Marvin Gonzalez got a walk. So the bases loaded one out. And what do Glaber Torres and Miguel Andujar proceed to do? They proceed to have horrendous at-bats. Torres struck out. And Duhar grounded out in a horrible at-bat, just terrible, terrible. And then something's got to give again, and Luizaga gave it up. Yankees lose a horrible, very winnable game, one to nothing. And the heartbreaks didn't stop there because Wednesday was just as aggravating. We had ourselves another pitcher's duel. This one was between Nesta Cortez and Robbie Ray. And the Mariners actually struck first, Sam Haggerty solo shot in the bottom of the sixth off Nestor, and Haggerty, what a series he had, man, basically the only, the one and only hitter that is worth being really afraid of in that lineup, I mean, Rayleigh got a hold of some too, or rally, however the hell you say his name, I keep on forgetting, but it really seemed like the main one to be concerned about was Haggerty, he just got a hold of a lot, just puts the bat on the ball, he's really fast on the bases, so, he hit a solo shot to get to Nestor, but then in the top of the seventh when the Yankee offense just had gone like 19 innings without scoring a single freaking run. They finally break through. A two-run shot by Higashioka, of all people, made it 2-1. to And then Aaron Judge, adding on an extra run of insurance with his 45th home run solo shot, made it 3-1. to So now you are saying the bats are back, they're going to close this up, And win the series. (laughs) Not the way the pitching has been. Because in the bottom of the 7th. Nestor started the inning. Got into some trouble. And he was taken out right away. And rightfully so. And Albert Abreu comes in. And Abreu. I I just got done saying last week. That it was a travesty. That both Schmidt and Marinaccio. Are down in AAA. Still are by the way. Just a reminder. And that. Not, at least not one of them is up here. And a guy like Abreu's is up here. Now, I understand, since Abreu has come back, a great deal of his outings, he's done pretty well. But it just seems like any time he inherits a jam or just is in a big spot, he always coughs it up. And that's been a big theme no matter how you spin it with him. It has been. His ERA over the course of the last month plus has been good because he's had a few appearances where he's solid. But it seems a great deal of the time. He just loses all control and just lets things get out of hand when he comes into a jam, or if he's in a big spot, he just he just gives it up. He gives it up. It's a big theme with him, whether you're a fan of his or not. So he inherits the jam, and just he just does exactly the opposite of what he's supposed to do. RBI single to Mitch Hanniger, two runs shot by Carlos Santana. Guy throws 100 miles an hour at the fastball and thinks it's a good idea to throw a changeup. Like I've said so often with these Yankee pitchers, you just seem to fall in love with spamming this off-speed crap when they have these dominant fastballs. Same thing with Garrett Cole. He's gotten into a lot of trouble because he nibbles, tries to get cute. But then what did he do? In his most recent start in Seattle, he remembered that he has a killer fastball. So he heavily relied on it. And what happened? He threw a gem. These guys just have to go back to the basics sometimes and remember that their best pitch still exists. <laughs> I don't really know how else to put it. He hung a changeup right down the plate, right in Carlos Santana's wheelhouse, and he didn't waste any time or spare any effort because he just smacked it right into the right center field seats. Mariners lead 4-3. to three. Yankees couldn't come back after that. And they again lose a bad series to Seattle, another heartbreaking loss after Tuesday's disgraceful game already. And fortunately, they had the day off on Thursday. I've almost never been so happy to see an off day this year for the Yankees. They needed it. Friday, August 12th, first game of the series at Fenway Park. Another brutal loss. So just, that's just the theme lately, guys. Herman started the game, expected a disaster out of him. And Ivaldi, who has had his fair share of good starts against the Yankees since leaving, it just didn't really seem like a good matchup for them. But the Yankees actually hung tough. Top of the first, they scored right away in an RBI double by Rizzo. And top of the third, Aaron Judge hit his 46th freaking home run. <laughs> so it was two to nothing. And the bottom of the fourth, the Red Sox would score their one and only run off Herman. On an RBI single by J.D. Martinez, and it stayed that way all the way to the ninth inning. Because again, Herman's line: six innings, five hits, one run, two walks, four strikeouts. Not a bad start. Again, out of Herman. You say what you want about the guy personally. I've certainly said it. I'm not a fan of the guy. I've said as much many times. But last couple of starts, he's he's been he's gotten the job done. He's kept the Yankees in the game, only giving up a couple of runs at the most. He's gotten it done. F Ross pitched great in the seventh Chapman pitched great in the eighth and they handed the ball to Clay Holmes again in the ninth and he just continues to be as the Yankees have been at large his own worst enemy because in that ninth inning he actually got Rafael Devers to ground out to start the inning so I was like all right maybe he'll actually have a clean inning but no walks Xander Bogarts walks Alex Verdugo J.D. Martinez comes up, hits an RBI single up the middle, 2-2, two to two, blown save. And at the time, out of his prior 11 appearances, 3 blown saves, ERA through the roof, walking the ballpark as what once was a top reliever in the sport. What a fall from grace, huh? I mean, Clay Holmes is, he's broken. And they keep on saying, of course, that, you know, they'll alternate roles, you know, whenever it's appropriate, put Chapman back in the ninth, maybe sometimes, or, you know, just yesterday they had Efros they close out the game and he did it effectively. So they'll just take it day by day, it sounds like. But I mean, as far as this game now, I think it has to be the final straw. And this is just, this isn't just reactionary. It's just how brutal he's been for an extended amount of time now, especially in the ninth inning, how unreliable he is. You got to give Clay Holmes a break from the ninth inning. You have to. It just can't... We can't go on like this. And just another disgraceful performance. Horrible. Has no command. He has none. No control of the sinker. And the first pitch of the, the inning was a pitch right to the backstop. And right from there, I said, oh boy, we're not having a clean inning, are we? <laughs> and nevertheless, they did not. So... Wandy Peralta came in, though, after him and miraculously pulled a Houdini act because he struck out Osmer and then got Christian Arroyo to line out to shortstop. So he actually escaped that unbelievable jam, which was runners on the corners and one out at the time, got out of it. Top of the 10th, the Yankees would again blow another crucial scoring opportunity as they have so often this past week. Judge walked to start the inning. DJ was the ghost runner. So again, first and second, nobody out. Real good chance here. Rizzo lined out the first base. Donaldson struck out. Ever since his 4-for-5 night in Seattle and his decent series in Seattle, back to going back to sleep, it would seem, Josh Donaldson. That was fun while it lasted, wasn't it? Tim Lacastro is on base at first, and so is Judge. They did a double steal, so... Second and third, two outs. What does Glaber do? Strikes out again. I mean, it seems like the brilliant season that Glaber was having, nice comeback season, last few weeks seems to be going back to his old negative ways. Just seems to really have regressed of late. I hope he heats up again because the at-bats he's been having. Guys. (laughs) Brutal. And the bottom of the 10th came around... Lou Trevino came in, obviously tough spot with the ghost runner. He got Jalen Davis to ground out. Then after that, Reese McGuire hit a bunt. It was a hit. And then Tommy Pham, RBI single to end the game. So, a game that had a lot of promise heading up to the ninth inning. And a lot of people were quick to say, again, the offense could have scored more. Yeah, it's true. But this is yet another example of the bullpen the pitching overall, not being able to hold a freaking lead, guys. I know the offense could have scored more, but you know, the bullpen and the pitching, sometimes you're not always going to have a million runs. They got to hold some leads. And this was yet another example of many of late in which they just couldn't. Clay Holmes continuing to be broken. And the offense blown an opportunity again in extra innings. Not good. This really frustrating baseball, like I said, horrible. Fortunately, yesterday they were able to eke out a victory. Again, mainly thanks to, of all people, Isaiah kiner falefa (laughs) It's really unbelievable. And listen, if there's been anybody that has been hard on Isaiah kiner falefa it has been me. I own up to it, and I don't really have any shame of it, because my criticism of him, like of all other players who I'm hard on on the Yankees, not only is it pretty much deserved because, factually, he has not had a good year. But I don't take it out of control, and I don't get personal, like some reports have said. There's been a lot of talk on social media for a little while now about people getting personal with IKF, getting in touch with his family, his father, or even himself, and sending threats. Listen, <laughs> I am not about that. That is horrible. And I am of the crowd that says, if you're to criticize a player, you got to keep it strictly within the sport. Just keep it within baseball. You don't go to the family and get personal and threaten You just don't do that. (laughs) You just don't. It's not right. But if anybody has been validly and fairly and level-headedly critical of Isaiah Kainer-Falefa, it is me. But I can also definitely admit that he won us this game. (laughs) He definitely did. I mean, all three runs are from him. And they won three to two. So it is on him. But listen, just because I've been hard on the guy, And I did experience some of this, as did a lot of other people who were also level-headedly and rightfully hard on IKF for his lack of performing almost whatsoever throughout the vast majority of the season. A lot of us got this treatment yesterday from people who are just blindly loyal. And you know what? If you're blindly loyal to a player, then God bless you, man. Some people just have their attachments to players. I get it. But don't you dare. (laughs) Don't you dare come into my social media mentions or anything like that telling me that when a player I've been hard on does something good, that I'm not allowed to celebrate it. You could miss me with all that crap, because I'm not going to sit there and listen to that. It's a bunch of nonsense. If anyone said it enough to the point where they are turning blue in the face, it's me. Regardless of whether or not I'm hard on a player, and rightfully so, I want them to succeed if they're on the New York Yankees, because they're on my team. And their success is my team's success. I don't know how many times I have to say it. I guess you just choose not to listen, or you haven't listened to me, so maybe you haven't heard me say it. But if you haven't heard me say it, and this is your first time hearing me say it, listen back to the past episodes if you don't believe me. I say it nearly every damn week. With Isaiah, Kiner, Falefa, and plenty of others. But don't you dare come into my mentions and tell me that just because I've been hard on him, that I can't celebrate him doing anything good and helping my team to win a freaking game. Stop gatekeeping and telling fans how to feel and how they should react just because they've given some fair criticism, some factual criticism based on actual numbers. Gatekeeping is lame. Stop it. not going to sit there and listen to that crap. I'm just as happy as you are that Isaiah Kainer-Falefa had a great night and led the Yankees to a victory. I don't need to be told how to feel from you, someone who just can't accept truth, but then also just have a healthy balance of that, accepting the truth that he just has not been good this year, but also be happy that he does do something when he does and leads the team to a victory because you're a fan. It's part of being a diehard, passionate fan, guys. Hold guys accountable for not doing well, but then, you know, when they do do their job, that's what you're watching the game for. Watch your team win a game. See the guys have a good game, do their job. So when they do, of course you're going to be happy. You don't need some dopes out there telling you how you're allowed to feel. Give me a break. I just felt like I had to address that because people were just being total clowns with that on Twitter all day today. And I know a lot of my fellow Yankee fans were dealing with a lot of the same crap. And I feel for you guys too. And I feel for Isaiah Kondofalefa and his family for having to deal with these threats. Don't get me wrong. That's not right. I've already established that. And any basic human being with half a conscience will also agree with that. You don't do that to a player, and especially not their freaking families. Come on, guys. Be better than that. But you can also be fairly critical, just because you want the team to do well, and you want to see the guys perform, and not vastly underperform over the course of five freaking months. And finally, be happy when they do perform. So again, just stop gatekeeping. Stop it. But this game was basically solely won, because not only did... Isaiah Falefa have, I guess people have been calling it the IKF game, and it's plenty safe to call it that, because he's the reason they won. (laughs) But Frankie Montes already, he already improved from his first start against the Cardinals. Of course, he had a lot of circumstances leading up to that start, but he did bounce back in this one, his second Yankee start. Five innings, five hits, only two runs and four strikeouts. Did feature the splitter a lot more, like I said before, so... He accessed his arsenal better than his first start. That's what I took from it, and he got results from it. And Lickie pitched the sixth, Trevino and Chapman together for two innings total in the seventh and eighth. They did a fine job, both of them, especially Chapman, with another scoreless appearance. He would get the win on the day, and the person who got the save in the ninth inning would be Scott Efros. Another clean outing by him, got into some trouble, but he got out of it scoreless, and With the pitching of late, that's really all I can ask for. (laughs) So he would lock up the save. But the three runs, again, would come off Isaiah Conor falefas bat. First and foremost, in the top of the fifth, with his first Yankee home run, finally! Took until August 13th. But he finally hit a home run. I thought it was going to be the first time, in my time as a Yankee fan, to ever see a Yankee play an entire season without hitting a home run. But he undid that. Two-run shot over the monster wall, into the monster seats. Awesome job. Great to finally see. And the Yankee players gave him a hell of a welcoming in the dugout. So that tied the game at two at the time because the Red Sox were up two to nothing for about an inning or so because a hit-by-pitch with the bases loaded and then a sack fly would put them up two to nothing. The Hit-by-pitch was with Jaron Duran and Reese McGuire hit the sack fly to make it two nothing. The IKF home run tied the game at two. And in the top of the ninth with the game, still tied at two as Yankee pitching was holding the Red Sox down. IKF again with runners on the corners. He lays down a bunt. It's a beauty. He gets a hit out of it, and he drives home Andrew Benintendi. Yankees take a 3-2 lead. As I said before, Efros shut it down in the ninth. Yankees win 3-2. And finally, getting a win amidst being on another losing streak. They had lost four games in a row again, after having lost five in a row. So, managed to eke out the victory thanks to IKF mainly, and the pitching did a nice job too. And here we are heading into Sunday night, hoping for a victory in the series finale. Again, the pitching matchup is Michael Waka against Jamison Tyone. Hopefully Tyone can continue his good pitching ways from his prior start in Seattle. Had a pretty good outing there. And the offense doesn't blow a ton of scoring chances, and maybe there hopefully won't be any base-running blunders. That would be nice. (laughs) Just let's play clean baseball tonight, please. One thing that worries me is that the Yankees have not done too well against Michael Waka in the recent past, even though in the past few years he has really taken a step down in his career, but the Yankees were still just never really able to hit him well. He's having a better year this year so far, but hasn't made all of his starts, but is ERA is in the mid to high twos. So, I don't know. Prior performances against him just has me feeling a little off tonight as far as the Yankees' chances. I hope I'm wrong. But hopefully if they can just put some good at-bats together and Tyone just throws zeros up that they could just win the game. I just, I don't want to lose the series to Boston. I just really don't. I mean, the Yankees have just lost series after series after series. It's, it's incredible how many consecutive series they've lost. The last series they won was against KC a couple of weeks ago. After that, they lost the Mariners series. They got swept in St. Louis. And after the St. Louis sweep, they lost two out of three against the Mariners this past week. And if they lose tonight, they'll lose another series, this one against the awful Boston Red Sox in last place in the division. When this is really a weekend where You could really take it and just use it as a series to turn things back in the right direction. And if you don't, that'll just be crap, man. Win one tonight, win two in a row, keep it going against the Rays tomorrow, and just get a winning streak going. Turn it around already. This is enough of a skid. I know there's ebb and flows in this season. I don't need it explained to me. I've been watching baseball for 15 years. I get it. I know. What the course of a season entails over the course of six plus months, 162 games, I get it, but this skid is extended, (laughs) and like I said, it's just a case of what's going to fail today, you have the feeling of, the doom and gloom feeling going into each and every game, it's time to change that, let's go. I mean, I hope that this is just them getting it all out of their system before it truly matters, September heading into October and the playoffs, but, I mean, when is enough enough? (laughs) when is enough enough like I said before the main thing that bothers me is being behind Houston for home field advantage some others may not care as much about that but I kind of do and they already won today so you lose today you lose another game against them just win the game man and keep it going against Tampa because you can't keep losing series like this four series losses in a row is bad And you're talking about a bunch of other series losses prior to the Kansas City series as well. Just losing too many series lately. The name of the game is to win series. If you go on a winning streak, that's even better. But can't lose as many series in a row, man. Speaking of what's going forward, I mentioned facing Tampa Bay next. Well, that is the fact, because starting tomorrow on Monday the 15th, the Yankees return home finally after an extended road trip. You've got a three-game set coming up against Tampa. At Yankee Stadium, tomorrow night's game is at 7.05 Eastern. Garrett Cole will return to the mound after a solid start in Seattle. We'll see how he does against Tampa. Tuesday night's game is also at 7.05. And Wednesday, also at 7.05. So all night games this week, thankfully, because we know how much I hate weekday day games. (laughs) Thursday, we'll start a weekend four-game set against Toronto. So constant AL East opponents here. We got the Red Sox right now, then the Rays, and then the Blue Jays. And after the Blue Jays again, if you want to look ahead even further, you got the Mets again after that at Yankee Stadium this time. But let's stick to just this next week. Thursday night's game against the Blue Jays at Yankee Stadium, also at 7.05, as well as Friday the 19th, Saturday the 20th, 1.05, and Sunday the 21st. when we speak again. That game is at 1.35 Eastern. Now, I'm going to have to really finagle it well next weekend to try to get an episode out to you guys because next weekend is going to even be even busier than this weekend, which is hard to believe. But I got a lot to do next weekend, so it's going to be tough to fit in an episode. I'm going to try to do my best, even if it means having to record it on Saturday, ultimately. I don't know what I'm going to have to do. I'm just not sure yet. I'm not going to know until it gets closer because I also have a very busy week ahead of me with work. It's just, it's been tough, guys. That's why even though I've taken a couple of weeks off here and there throughout the season, I'm kind of surprised it hasn't been more, and if you only knew, I mean, between that and what's been going on in my personal life, as you guys may know too, I've tried to be as resilient as I can just popping these out to you. I've done as good as I can do, and I'm going to try to continue to do that. I'll do my best to get an episode out to you next weekend, and we'll see what happens. Of course, it also depends on what happens this next week, tonight, over the next week against the Rays and the Blue Jays, if anything else happens injury-wise, whether it be positive or negative, (sighs) (laughs) that's just what I have to do every day, just take a deep breath in, inhale, and deep breath out, exhale. (laughs) But with that being said, my friends, I think I've hit on everything that there is to hit on without a social media segment this week, so with that being said, that is all for episode 150 of Yapping Yankees today. And even though we didn't have a social media segment, I hope you had as much fun listening on this 150th, another milestone Yapping Yankees episode. I hope you had as much fun listening to it as I did recording it and releasing it to all of you. Because I certainly had a good time. And despite the Yankees having to do better, and they do need to do better, it was a fun episode, and... It's also always great how I'm always able to have fun to do the episode, regardless of whether or not the Yankees are doing well, because when they're doing well, it's just that much more fun. But when they're not doing well, then you know what this microphone does? It acts as therapy for me, and I have fun just letting it all out and entertaining you guys by giving you the truth with what's going on with the Yankees, just telling it like it is, and also just having a good time doing the show and using this microphone as an outlet to get my frustrations out in times when they're doing badly. (laughs) I try to present the level-headed opinions even in times that I am frustrated. I think I do a good job at that, but it's always fun regardless, like I said, whether it be therapy in frustrating times or just having a great time riding the wave amidst good times. But regardless, episode 150 was more of the therapeutic side, but that has its fun aspects too, so I hope you had a good time listening to it. But, If you do not already follow me on all socials, guys, please be sure to do so. Facebook fan page is Mike Scudero NY. My Twitter is at Mike Scudero. And Instagram is MikeScuds97. Please be sure to subscribe to Yapping Yankees on all four of the platforms it's available on. Those being YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Be sure to show your love across all of them and if you've missed any past Yapping Yankees episodes well you can always listen to them whenever you want because episodes 34 up to episode 150 today are available on YouTube and all Yapping Yankees episodes including today's going all the way back to the first episode over three years ago are all available on Apple Spotify and SoundCloud once again Thank you, 3,000, for listening to me yap today, my friends. As always, I am your host, Mike Scadero, and I will talk to you next Sunday, August 21st, when I come at you with episode 151 of Yapping Yankees. But until then, hang in there, be patient, stay safe, look out for your loved ones, and again... Like I say so many other things over and over again, I could say it until I'm blue in the face, but there's really only one thing to say to the Yankees at this point is amidst their losing days. Figure it out and do better. That's all there is to do it, just do better. Start to click more as a unit, get a winning streak going, and put this skid to an end already. It's gone on long enough. Part of the ebbs and flows, yeah, but it's gone on long enough. Do better, guys. And hopefully they do over the course of this next week so that we can have more positive things to discuss next Sunday. I'll talk to you then, my friends. Take care.